0: I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking Podcast. Hi, I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking Podcast. And on today's episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Scott Hughes. So thank you so much for taking the time out to be a part of this interview. Um, I'll let you do your own intro, intro, I suppose, but tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are.
1: Okay, uh, I'm Scott Hughes. I work at a radio station called Radio City, which is in Liverpool. Um, I've done radio and radio presenting for 25 years. This year, it's <laughs> gone very quick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, and I, I've done radio my whole life, my whole career. Presenting my whole life, my whole career. Um, and I've been at Radio City for 10 years in total. Five years in this stint, and I did another five years from 2003 to 2008.
0: Okay, so. Absolutely awesome show, Um, and actually it was my husband who got in touch with me because I was saying, oh, I'd really love to interview Scott, I like his delivery style, obviously we focus on presenting, and Chris said, I'm going to send him a message, and that's very different, my husband Chris (laughs) doesn't do any kind of speaking to people, he very much has the the method of why have a dog and bark yourself, he's got me to wheel out, (laughs) but all I wanted to talk about really was what you do, how you got into it. So that leads me onto my first question, which is when did you decide you wanted to be a radio presenter? It's,
1: it's a funny story because like my story and how I got into it is very different from what you do now. Yeah. I would say that at this point, but I'll tell you what I did. So I, I mean, I, from the age of, it's really weird. Cause I had a friend who, um, was being bullied at school. This is how it really sort of started. This was the early stages. I had a friend that was being bullied, um, and he gained an eating disorder through being bullied um he ended up in hospital it was down to like five stone at one point it was horrific um and I went to visit him in hospital and, and he said oh, I've been listening to the hospital radio and I just it popped into my head at the time I said well get yourself better put some weight on and get better and I'll we'll go and do a show we'll go and get together and do a show and he was like oh that'd be great that'd be that'd be a really nice idea and his face lit up and I thought well there you go it was just a little thing and at the time I'd Kind of, you know. I remember. I think I was about eleven. My mum bought me a karaoke unit thing. It was with all the rage back then. <laughs> and um, and I didn't. I never. I'm not a singer, so I never sang on it. But I did record some. You know, I used to talk on it and record my voice and that sort of stuff. And that was kind of the start of me going. Oh, I quite like doing. You know, this is quite good fun. Yeah. Um, and I've always kind of described myself as. I'd say when I when I meet people for the first time, I'm quite shy. But then I, because I like to gauge people yeah. before and i would say my humor can be quite unique <laughs> so i like to gauge my audience before i fully use my humor because i don't want to offend anybody um so I, i'm always kind of like a bit cautious at first until i get to know people um but yeah so that was how it started and then sure enough he got better and we went and did a radio show he hated it and i loved it and i was like i'm gonna come back next week and do another one and um i think i was 13 somewhere around there at the time um so i started doing hospital radio which is uh, in the area that i grew up in essex and uh, then I got the Saturday Breakfast Show, and I used to go and do that every week. My mum and dad used to drive me there, and I'd lock up. And it was only—I did that for about a year and a half. And it was only about a year in. I always because I, I, I'd go there on my own. They'd give me a key, I'd unlock yeah. the door, get my records out, start playing and all that. And I always felt like I wasn't there on my own. It always—I had this weird feeling Ooh. that I was. And it was only about a year in. I found out that the hospital radio was the old morgue. <laughs>
0: So oh my god! Had this thing
1: where i'm like right okay that looks that definitely will explain, not
0: alone.
1: <laughs> that will explain the feeling of thinking there's other people here but and at this point
0: this, you were 13 yeah 40. yeah and
1: uh it didn't bother me in that sense but i was like oh well, that kind of explains the fact that i feel like there's other people here and it was very it was a very strange feeling that, that i can't didn't describe bother
0: me. that's the kind of phrase that makes <laughs> me think any kind of normal 13 year old would have run a mile but you were like yeah, playing records are was
1: fine um and then from there i i just hounded my local radio station and just said you know do you do work experience can i do work as Experience. um got knocked back a few times I've got I mean I've got a pile of rejection letters from everyone from Radio 1 Virgin Radio you know Capital all the big stations back then all rejected me and all said no this is just to work experience um and I rang a radio station in, in Essex Spoke to a guy that was on air at the time. Turned out he was the head of music. And he's like, oh, you can come and do it here if you want to work in the, in the music library. So I was like, yeah, great. So went and did some work experience. Used to pay for my train travel. And, and uh, yeah, it's, I was losing money basically to go yeah. and work there. But I, I probably did about two or three years of unpaid work and just, you know.
0: Gaining the experience. Yeah, did,
1: did you know, anything, you know, what do you want doing? Do you need me to do this? And in those days, there was no computers or anything. So it was... They used to have to file the records by hand, so you'd write the artist and the title, the, wow. the you know the record number, the length of the record. You had to write it all on a bit of card and then put it alphabetically in this thing. It's all obviously all on computer now. So but, you did all. So the I admin. did all that, and I was yeah, I was doing admin jobs, and I was literally doing anything. And um, and I was, fifteen, and I was in the radio station, and the guy that did the overnights got food poisoning. And the boss was like, who have we got? And he's like looking around the room and looked at me and he's like, how old are you? I said, I'm 15. He's like, well, we're going to need to ring your mum and check it's okay for you to stay out overnight. Wow. Which he did. She was like, yeah, that's fine. Not a problem. So I did my first show two till five or two till six, I think it was in the morning and I was 15. This was uh, 1994, I think that was. Um, Wow. So that was my first professional show. And then it was horrific. I ignored everything he told me, all the advice (laughs) he gave me. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do it my own way. Um, got a massive telling off the next day <laughs> saying, you you didn't listen to anything I said. Too
0: late by that point. Exactly.
1: You'll never get on air again. But um, And sure enough, I didn't do any shows for a while after that because he was so angry at me. But then a new boss came in, put me back on and it kind of progressed from there.
0: Wow. So there are loads of things in there. Are you all right with me? Kind of? kind Yeah, there, go to for it. There. Yeah. So first things first. Would you say that it was the commitment to your friend who was early in hospital, and you just said, "Let's do a radio station"? Was it the yeah. commitment to him that made you do it? Yeah, the it just like...
1: popped into my head. It was because he said, oh, "I've been listening to the hospital radio," so I was like, "Well, we're going to do a show." Because I was just thinking, "What can I say that will make him feel better, cheer him up, you know, put a smile back on his face?" Which was, you know, and I said, "Well, we're going to do a show," and so it just kind of ended up that that was the comment that came out of my mouth and the next thing we're in the radio station doing a show. Kind of so,
0: identified the trajectory. Yeah, of... I mean, I,
1: I'd always, I was always done shows and stuff like that, as I yeah. called them. Like, I'd always dress up for my family and I, I used to have, like, puppets and stuff and I'd do a puppet show for my family when I was younger. I used to drive my family up the wall, but I always <laughs> did that kind of stuff. So, And I did some drama when I was little. I did a few commercials. I was in a Japanese clothes commercial. Um, I was, uh, this is my claim to fame, I was the runner-up to be the Milky Bar kid. In no uh, yeah, way. when I was probably seven or eight, somewhere around there, and the little kid with the glasses yeah, beat me the in the end. Hair. Yeah, yeah, he won, he beat me, but I was literally the second choice for that because I had very, I used to have like white hair when I was younger.
0: But you're hoping that you'd get really ill,
1: so um, yeah, but I <laughs> I'd still be on Milky Bar Royalties now if I'd have got that gig. Imagine if uh, you'd
0: have got food poisoning, <laughs>
1: no, exactly. But um, so I did a bit of acting and stuff, and yeah, and it just kind of like I say, the, the fact that I like i said to you this is why i described it um, i feel like i'm quite shy and then you know that was a nice f- mix for me because yeah. you could sit in a radio studio on your own and be very you know expressive yes. and and you know but you're on your own so you you built your confidence yeah. by being on your own almost talking to yourself um but you still got feedback because it was still yeah. going out on the radio um and that's where you know then when you do the stage stuff and the public appearance very different skill very totally, different you know yeah. so but that was how that was how it all it kind, kind of to came together yeah
0: awesome and um, a couple of other things in there that I want to pick out because uh, a lot of people who listen to my podcast are either kind of new to speaking or they're looking at how to get gigs and I think there's something really important in what you'd said in terms of the pile of rejection letters that you've got and the fact that you know it doesn't just fall in your lap you've got to put the legwork and you've got to be willing to take you know the early hours in the morning gigs and actually you should do what you're told rather than you know you got the opportunity you didn't really get the opportunity thereafter because you're I mean, you were 15, to Mm. give you credit, the fact that you didn't listen to an adult is kind of normal for a (laughs) 15-year-old anyway. But the fact that you've just kept kind of pushing and asking for work experience, knowing that the answer was likely to be no. So I think it's really important to note that as well because a lot of the time people will see people like yourself who, you know, they hear your voice all of the time, they see you at anything that's, you know, related to Radio City and all those different kinds of gigs and think that you just kind of fell into it. So I mm-hmm. think it's really important that people kind of note that as well.
1: I think it's a lost skill, I'd say, now as well because yeah. um, I, I know people that are younger now and I'll say to them, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they'll say, I want to be famous. And I go, oh, doing what? Well, no, I just want to be famous. Yeah. You'd be... What, acting or singing? Well, I just want to be famous. And, you know, they'll see the reality TV stars now and, and they'll go, well, I just want to do that. just want to be on a way out. I want to be an Instagramer. Like, yeah, but it's, it's like, well, I, I, I get where you're going, but, you know, do you, do you not want to hone a skill and then use that skill to become famous? Like an actor or a singer? No, 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 I just want to be famous. And, you know, you know, when I was growing up, Instagram didn't exist influenced didn't exist none of that stuff existed so you had to have you had to be famous for doing something whereas now you can be famous for being famous so it is different now
0: yeah, totally agree and do you would you say that that's been a better skill to have learned rather than you know the fact that at the time it might have felt a little bit painful or when you look back and you see people becoming famous just because they've managed to get so many followers on you know Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in the TV and radio industry now that get very frustrated that they can't get work or they can't progress on, and they've put the hard work in, yeah. and, and then someone else will just become famous overnight and and their Stupid. career takes off. And yeah. but it is what it is, isn't it? It's the modern world and times have changed. Um, and you, you you've just got to sort of modify yourself and modify, what you do? know, try and. I think it's it's important not to not to think, oh, I'll just become an influencer. Then I'll yeah. just go, you know, you've you've got to still you've got skills that other people haven't got and stuff like that. But it's It's very important to kind of realise that the world's changing, the the world's moving on, the world's moving in a different direction and kind of modify what you do to fit that as well, I think.
0: Yeah, I suppose you've got to move with the times but also identifying what your niche is or what your... Yeah, yeah. so was your niche intended to be always radio? Because you don't just do radio now, but was it always intended to be radio? Yeah, as
1: I said, I did some acting when I was a kid um, and the radio thing kind of naturally progressed on from that and I I, I enjoyed it because I could be very expressive but like I say like I said earlier I can be on my own and I can talk and and I can express myself and it's a it's a it's a really weird skill because and someone said to me when I was first starting out they said put a photograph of a family member or a girlfriend or something like that in front of you and talk to that photograph because radio is one-on-one. Yeah. So, you know, on TV they'll go, is everyone all right tonight? How are you all? Right, and I've got an audience. On radio, you want to say, um, I don't know if this has happened to you. I don't know if you've done this. I don't know. And it's like I'm just talking to you. Yeah. And if you're in your car or you, the other end of the radio, you'll feel like it's just me and you. Exactly. And that's the skill. And that's, you know, that's a lost skill as well. That's a, and, and that it does work. It's amazing yeah. that you can tell a story and you can and I still do that now, I still visualize someone in my head when I'm telling a story, I'll be talking to one person um, because that just naturally then comes out that you're just talking to one person. Even though you're talking to thousands, they all think you're talking to them. So So
0: that's a, a hit upon a really important point that we, when we're teaching public speaking, that we there's two things that we do, do there one that you talk to each individual person mm-hmm. so you do imagine a person sat in front of you which it's interesting that you say that because do you still have the same person in your head you always have the same person is it different people different people for okay. me yeah does that depend on what it is that you're talking about yeah kind of i,
1: I sometimes think you know would such and such like this so i'll tell them that story as i'm as i'm speaking i'll imagine them in my head um Sometimes it's bosses, sometimes it's family members, sometimes it's friends, you know, it depends, you know, if I'm telling a story where a friend was there, I might be thinking of that friend while I'm telling the story, but I'm sort of, yeah, so I'm kind of telling them the story, even though they were there, but because they were there, you know, it's easier to sort of explain that story thinking of them kind of thing. But yeah, it's, uh, for me, it changes
0: so there's a couple of things there another one being something that you've mentioned i don't know if you can relate to this or i don't know if you've ever been in that scenario something that we actually teach us and talk about it being a lost skill is something we call you focus Mm -hmm. because when you're you tell a story and i've noticed that you do this on the radio you never it's it's not often that you're saying i did this and i did that Mm -hmm. saying i don't know if you've ever experienced this and i think that is it does what you're saying you know it places us as the listener. So I was listening to you driving in today to do the interview. Yeah. And it does it feels like you're having the conversation. And I don't know if anyone else is like me, but sometimes I'll answer back or I'll mm-hmm. kind of you'll say something and I'll nod my head thinking, Yep, that's me. And you do, you feel that kind of one on one. And that was going to be one of my questions is is it difficult? Because I'm used to delivering kind of to a live audience and as I've said, you know, before we started recording this, that might be to two individuals or to five hundred. And me personally, I find it easier to deliver to hundreds of people because you do get that feedback. Yeah. So how else do you kind of identify whether what you're doing is hitting the mark, whether your listeners can hear? You, you know, if you've got mm-hmm. tech problems, I know there's all the technology around you, but if there's ever an issue, you've you know, there's one button you've forgotten to mm-hmm. press. How do you identify that interaction, and how do you know if people are getting what you're saying?
1: Um in radio it's a lot of luck because um it's it's, again it's a skill that you'll learn over time i think because you don't because you've got no one reacting so certain so sometimes you'll get two people on a show so like in the morning we've got two presenters here so they'll be talking to each other and that's more of a you're listening into what they're talking about type of a thing um but the skill if you're on your own is to imagine that you are talking to that person but they're not there so you're not you're not getting the reaction um, I know some presenters that love having someone in the studio that doesn't speak, like yep. a producer, because they'll be telling a story and they can look at the producer and see the producer smile or Get whatever. The and they'll know there yeah, that it's working. Uh, for me, it makes no odds if there's someone in there or not. I don't, you know, it doesn't make any, any difference. But I will try and do like what you just said there. I, sometimes I'll say, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of an example, but I might go, um, do you know that new George Ezra song? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, well, I'll and I'll, hear. exactly, because you're nodding in the car, So I'll go, yeah, you know what, the, you know, and I'll, I'll then respond as if you've responded yeah and even even if you're not in the car responding it still sounds like you still go Oh, he's he's literally talking to me because he's responding to if you are sat in the car nodding then you go oh he's literally responding to me so you know and you can you can play around a bit with that and i think um i remember once i was talking just like i am now and then i just stopped mid-sentence on the radio just completely stopped just complete silence and just left it for a few seconds so it literally went And then I went. I bet you just turned the radio up, didn't you? Thinking it had gone (laughs) off there, and it was it was a thing. And loads of people messaged me going, "Oh my god, I I turned it up. I thought I thought the radio had gone off." And because it's just and it's something, it's something you can do to get people's attention. And it's you could do that if you're presenting to a group of people. You've you've been there where people are muttering and talking, and you know one way to get people's attention is stop speaking it's a very teachery way yeah because people are like and it, it takes them back to school where they'll they'll go oh, oh okay you know someone's because, doing
0: something wrong yeah but
1: it, it in their head they go oh you know he's, he's trying to let us know that we're talking and it's, it's such a simple tool to that is almost better than can you shush please or because again that's just noise but the minute the noise stops people panic and go oh and it, it takes you back to school i think and that's you
0: so know, true when again there's something that that we teach everything that you're talking about. And this is why I really wanted to interview you because you, because you are a presenter and a lot of what I've done and a lot of people I've interviewed have either been kind of on stage presenters or, um, comedians or Mm -hmm. people who kind of interact with an audience a lot more face to face. Mm -hmm. And everything that you're saying is, is kind of ringing true for what we teach and the power of the pause, which is something that I really need to master (laughs) because I'm a scouser and I talk quickly and so if i pause for even a millisecond people are looking thinking what's wrong but yeah. so important to, to note that you've used that as kind of a trick to yeah. gain the interaction so you know that people are this, and when you get all of those messages saying oh yeah i did i did exactly that i think it's an awesome thing and it shows that you care about what you're doing um which leads me on to another question in terms of do you do you practice kind of what you do because obviously as a as a radio presenter you know you're not just pressing stop start and playing songs mm-hmm. you have so much interaction in there so i suppose the question is twofold first part of the question is do you practice for your for your radio shows
1: no but i know people that do and really? i did in my early career
0: okay yeah so it was something that you had to do initially to get comfortable it helps
1: you, you get it helps you get that skill i think yeah, yeah. Um, how do wh- you
0: practice?
1: well you, you, you go you, I mean if you've got the luxury of a studio you can yeah. go and sit in and actually do a show as if you're on air still to this day you know they'll, if, if they've got some new talent they'll be like we want to try such and such with such and such yeah. can you go in a room and just can you do an hour's show together and see what the chemistry's like and that so you know they'll test out a lot of people yeah. like that um, to see if the chemistry is good and see if the chemistry is there. Um, what I do do is structure a link. So, okay. and, and a link is a talky bit. And that's that's, that's, that's a talky the term bit. for it. But it's the it's, technical yeah, word. The technical <laughs> word. Is, no, a radio link is yeah. From so you know what you're saying in between the records basically. Um, I think they have different terms in Australia. They call it a stop break, I think, or something like that. Um, and America has different terms as well. So, but that the the UK term is a link. Um, and I'll structure a link. So I'll say, okay, I'm gonna come off the back of this song and I'm gonna talk about this. Uh, this is roughly how i'm going to get into it yeah. this is roughly what i'm going to say and then you get not a punchline as such but you need an end yeah. and the end is the most important bit and again what you said earlier about the pause is you know cuz what you'll get is someone who's inexperienced they don't trust what they're saying so they will they will do a punchline that they're not sure of yeah so they'll say something like, um, "And then she fell over," <laughs> uh, uh, and they'll do that at the end because that—that's the, they because there's no reaction because you're on your own in a radio studio and they're not sure if it's worked. So <laughs> they'll do so or, do or is it just me stuff? or something like that? And they'll they'll say something like that. And that's you you hear that a lot still. you will hear a lot of that on the radio, and that's just. They're they're not trusting what they've said, so the trick is to deliver whatever the line is that you know, and you don't have to write it down, but to have an idea of what your punchline as such is going to be. Deliver the line, and then pause, Mm -hmm. and then pivot out of it. And uh,
0: so you use the word pivot. That's important. Yes. So, uh,
1: but it would, be you know, so for example, I go, um, and then she fell over. Right. Travel news is on the way in a second, and you just you've moved on, but you've trusted that they've laughed. You've given a little gap for them to laugh or react in any aren't. way, like they are yeah, exactly. Let it, yeah. let the power of that. Because the other thing you'll do with a, <laughs> you'll take away the power of the line you've just said. Yep. and Because you're you by doing just that noise, you're saying, "Oh, I'm not sure about this." Oh God! Oh, this is all oh, God. That's what you're doing in exactly. noise form. It's so, so yeah.
0: And these are the things that, as the listener, we hear. But I've never thought. Oh, yeah. there he is. He's leaving. You know, that's what we call leaving a gap, and it's yeah. leaving a gap for the other person to. Have a reaction or to exactly, either yeah. whether it's the nod of the head or the agreement of yes, a verbal response or the laughter, and I've never actually thought of it in terms of because I deliver to people. Obviously, I record podcasts and I yeah. do them on my own, but I, I think I've definitely been guilty of kind of laughing at my own joke to fill the awkward silence. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you'd say that's a kind of practice and learn trait to, to go. I know I've got to leave. It's confidence.
1: It's, yeah. it's knowing that you've you've said something, you've said a sentence, you've said a joke, you've said a punchline, whatever it is. Same in comedy, and you've got to trust that it works you got to trust that it's landed you got to trust that people are laughing and just move on and if you do that quite often it's more powerful because you've delivered it so confidently you're basically saying not only is this a great line but I'm going to deliver it and I'm going to tell you it's a great line and I'm going to leave you with that and off I go over here and it's it's almost the equivalent of that walking up to someone in a pub delivering a joke smirking and strolling off and picking up your pint all proud as punch and that's basically what you've done you've just you've delivered it in that way and it's you know you've you've And that's where that skill comes in. It takes a long time because you know, even I've done this twenty five years. Even three four years ago, I would I'd do the odd bit where I would be like, well, uh, have I finished? uh, And it's you know, I've made my own mistake you know. So it's still you know, I still make that mistake now, but it's so it's a
0: practice trait. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And you mentioned there kind of being confident. And uh, did you question first of all? Did you ever get nervous? And secondly, do you still get nervous if that were the case?
1: I get So I get nervous now if something is different. Yeah. So if I go into this studio in this radio station at this time of day, I'm fine. Yeah. Because it's the same thing every day. I know where I'm at. I know exactly what to expect. Now, if I do a show a different time of day in the same building, yeah, it's still not too dramatic. Because it's the same studio, the same, you know. And it's more a case of the studio is different. The screens are in different places. The microphones are in different places. I've got a different co host, I'm in a different building, I'm in a yeah. different city. Any of those things put you on edge. So, um, you know, we've, we own radio stations all over the country. We've got one in Manchester, and I've done some shows in Manchester. Mm. And exactly that. Studio's different, the environment's different, the people are different. So, straight away, you're, you're I wouldn't say nervous is the wrong word, more apprehensive, more kind yeah. of like, more can go wrong yeah. because I don't know this environment. And if something goes wrong here, I go, okay, well, I know how to deal with this because yeah. I know where everything is, you know. And so I started as well in radio doing what's known as a tech op, which is basically operating all the equipment. Yeah, but not talking. So I would play the records and I would do the segues and I'd do all that stuff, but never spoke. And I did that for a couple of years. So when I eventually spoke on air, it was easy because the the technical side of it was was so built into me and so ingrained. My brain naturally did the faders and that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll do it now. I'll be talking and I'll look down mid-link and I'll be looking down to make sure I've got the right faders up so that when I play what I'm going to play next, it will play And. And, and it, you know, every, you might have even heard it every now and again. You'll press the button; it's the wrong button. But yeah, I'm at that Never point where I'll, but I'll, I'll joke about it now. I will go, you know, oh, I might want to press that button a bit harder. And I'll straight away, I'll have a line and then hit the button again. And uh, you've performed the joke through so a out. mess up,
0: yeah. And it's again, as you say, it's that level of comfort to kind of own it, yeah, to call it out because you know that other people at the other end have heard it, and it's. A, and well,
1: you'll make the audience more comfortable with you, whether that be on stage or whether that be in a radio studio, because. Yeah. They go, oh, he makes mistakes as well. But when he makes a mistake, he just makes a joke of it and moves on. And again, it's the confidence thing of yeah. you know we've all we've all made a mistake or you know and that's and I I've done stand up comedy once and it was the single scariest thing I've ever done in my life in terms really? of there's about three I did it for charity and it was about three months leading up to it I was an absolute wreck and I had to do ten minutes on a on a new night I was the third on and it went okay I was happy with it at the yeah. end but. I was amazed at how so many of my skills that I didn't even realize I had came out. Yeah. And it's if so. If if you said to me now, stand up and do ten minutes, it would be horrific, and yeah. I'd be all over the place, and it just wouldn't be great. When you walk out and there's a crowd there, it's the it's the flight or die thing. It's 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 perform or massively fall on your ass. Die on and stage. You, you just don't want to. You you do everything you can yeah. to not die on stage. So you you do it's amazing what skills you don't even know you have yeah. to make sure you don't die on stage it's, you know and sometimes you still do yeah. but you can sometimes bring it around and I've seen a comedian that's that's mid-set properly dying and then they they, they, they bring it around they get the audience back on side and by the end you're like wow that's that's impressive because because not know, only
0: do you realize that actually they've turned it around but the fact that it could have gone yeah, so much and it, worse. it was
1: going badly and they've, they've managed to somehow get the audience on side and you know so and and i i would say personally that's the hardest thing you could do public speaking wise would be stand-up comedy um i've done a few best man speeches very similar because yeah. you know i think the only difference there is you know a lot of the people yeah, that so you're you're presenting to so there's family members there's people you can pick out but there is a huge difference between a good and a bad best man speech, yeah. and you can see someone that's done it before, and um, you know, and you can you can just see, you know, and sometimes like I, I've done a few where I'll be sitting there, the other speeches will be ongoing, and I'm at the end, yeah. and someone will say something in their speech, and I think, oh, that's a that's a great, I'll reference that in my opening line because just that's a great, and you 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 know, you've got your what you're going to say ready, yeah, but there's a line where you think I can if I say that line, they'll love that, and then I can you know off I go and and that's I think that's for me another thing if you can get a laugh early on they're on side, and it makes you more comfortable on stage even if it's a serious topic if you can walk out and get a laugh you know kind um, of
0: disarms your audience straight away
1: and there's you know there's a few things you can say there's a few and what you'll get a lot of in best man speeches where people google it and they'll say, you know, oh, um, uh, it's a very emotional day. Even the cake's in tears, and you're like, oh god, because you know well, everyone. Dad yeah, the but everyone's <laughs> done that joke because they've googled how to be a best man, and they've just, you know. And the trick is, don't do that. You know, yeah. make it do make it your own, and you're better off making it more serious, but making it more specific Personal. to the to the couple and that kind of stuff because that means more to them. It will, you know, cut through better with your yeah. audience there and
0: get a better reaction. Yeah. So, would you say your skills in presenting that you've got already have? help during those scenarios because as i say you don't just present on radio obviously you've done best man speeches yeah didn't know that you'd done a, a good, yeah yeah stand-up Would you ever do a stand-up comedy game I've, game? I've
1: wanted to since I'd, I'd love to try it again um and i have i i've actually got a load of stuff on my phone that is potential stand-up material yeah. where something's happened to me on a night Real-life out or whatever scenario, and i've gone yeah. that would make it great if i can word that and put a joke in that and 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 that that would be brilliant. And I think the thing with stand up comedy is is the swerve at the end. Yeah. So you know you'll you'll take the audience down a road and they think they know where they're going, and then it's the swerve at the that end that they're surprise. not expecting, and that's your punchline, your gag, and that's yeah. the same with the link. You know, if if I can be telling a story, and the ending of that story is not what you're expecting it to be, it can you that's swerve you off and reaction. yeah, and it's you know.
0: So you talk about the link. Um, obviously, you'll talk about different things on different shows. Do you prepare? content effectively even if you don't know exactly what you're going to say so earlier on, you gave me the example of having kind of th- how you're going to get into it which we call a bridge so you mm-hmm. bridge into that information and um, the kind of beginning middle and end and whatever the punchline or the final ending is i know you've got a rough idea do you come in with the idea of like today my content pieces or the things that i'm going to reference are yeah. xyz
1: so again i'll i'll if something happens i'll make a note on my phone yep um, and I think oh that, that will make a good link so I'll make a note on my phone what's funny is when I'm on a night out something will happen and I'll make a note on my phone sometimes I text myself so I read my texts <laughs> back in the morning and sometimes I'll, I'll pick up the phone and I'll be like Mary fell off a stool and I'm reading it going I don't even remember what was that <laughs> like and I, and I can't but I can't even think I'm like what happened and I'll ring my friends and say what was this about someone falling off a stool I've oh, no idea I'm like, why, why have I text myself that? And I, I can't even remember what the story is. Other times I'll make a note and I'll go, oh, yeah, that would. And then sometimes I'll wake up, read it back and go, yeah, that was funny when I was drunk. But that's not it's that not funny. It's not so much now. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's a combination of working out what works, what doesn't work. And, and a lot of stuff is hilarious when you're drunk and just not that funny when you're sober. Or it's you had to be there type yeah. thing. And I've told a few stories and I've literally thought at the end, yeah, you, you, probably, <laughs> you probably needed to be there for that to have worked. But um, so I'll make notes on my phone. Um, when I come in, I always come in at least an hour before. So I'll always check what's happening in the news and stuff. And I never do anything serious. But if, yeah. there's, if there's something happening in the world that's funny, if Trump's made some outrageous comment or whatever, I think like pretty that. Pretty much know, every day Yeah, that'll, that'll make a good story. <laughs> but again, I don't want to make it too political or too yeah. serious. I want to, you know, if, if he's made a comment that. that's ridiculous but in another way like a comedy way i can yeah. you know i can say oh you know so like something my dad would say or whatever and turn it into a story about yeah. my dad um i think you exaggerate people as well like i've told stories about my mum and dad on air before and you exaggerate the story or you exaggerate their character the a little comedy, bit because, because it makes cool. it funnier yeah so it's not a lie you just you just yeah. embellish it and make make it slightly funnier yeah um yeah. or they might you know they might do something that that's very cringy and then you think well that would make a good story but in order for it to be properly funny for on air I need to exaggerate it and, and hammer it give a them a, and, yeah. yeah,
0: you've got to give them a persona or you have to kind yeah. of play the scene around it. you mentioned that you always come in and out really do you have kind of a set routine a way to kind of get prepared get in state before you go so on
1: we, in, in radio all the music's picked for us so we get we get given a music log and it's, it's in that order we play the songs in that order it will tell us where we speak and it will give us a rough idea for how long. So there'll be shorter links, longer links. Um, and there'll be, there's a term called crunch and roll, which is basically a short link. Um, and then crunch there's a, and a term like a personality link. And a personality link means a bit of meat on the bone yeah. type of thing. So if you've got a story to tell, you'll do it in your, in your personality link spot. Um, so you'll come in, see where those links are. I mean, the, that format stays the same every yeah. day. So I'll know where they are. Um, so I'll come in, get my music log and I'll, I'll write on it. Okay, going to talk about, Uh, the tree falling down there I'm going to mention this thing that's happening in Liverpool next week there I'm going to mention the marathon that's coming up there um, and then I might refer back to the marathon and say did you see this thing that happened that was funny blah 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 so I'll I'll kind of I'll know roughly what I'm going to say where and then that's before each link is when I will work out, you know, okay, this is how I'm going to get into it. This is what, this is what the middle bit's roughly going to be about. I don't like to like, I, I never script anything Yeah. because for me, if you script it, it's a bit too,
0: Mechanical. you're just
1: saying, you're just saying words in front yeah. of you. Um, So for me, it's bullet points. So I, I will, if there's five things that I need to get into that link, I'll write them down as a yeah. bullet point. And I'll say, right, I'm going to start off by going, Tell you what happened on Saturday? I was in this bar. So there's my in, yeah. my out's going to be, and then she fell off a stool. And then my middle bit will be, I need to mention the fact that she is Mary, who yeah. I mentioned earlier. She fell off a stall, but I'll do that at the end. Uh, the reason she fell off the stall, the reason she was on the stall in the first place, what drink she was drinking. It, you Just know, if, if, it, if it relates to the story, I need to get those bits in. Yeah. Um, and that, again, is very similar to how a comedian will set up a joke. You know, they'll they'll kind of have their... I need to tell you what drink she was drinking for the punchline to work, otherwise yep. it won't work. And so, you know, it's, it's very similar to that in that so sense. So it's really.
0: constructed effectively, but you put the meat on the bones in the yeah. life scenario. but
1: I, I like to talk around those bullet points to make it yeah. like I'm, so if I said to you, oh, you never guess what happened at the weekend. You know, I like to then deliver the story as if I'm talking to you in a pub or whatever.
0: Which is where you then come back to the imagery yeah. of someone in your head. Interesting. So do you have any kind of tips for anyone it, not necessarily just in the present on on air scenario. So we were talking earlier just before we started recording, the fact that you do um, charity gigs, you've mm-hmm. done stand up, you've done you do presentations. Yeah. Would you give? Do you have any kind of top tips for anyone who is presenting, pitching, or public speaking? Which is what we focus on in this.
1: I think um, one of my favorite terms is "fake it till you make it," which is I think is a is a great term. A lot of people get mis, misled by that stupid, term, yeah. but what that means is basically. And so, well, I've got another friend who says, just say yes to everything and worry about if you can or can't do it after. Just yeah. say, so if someone says, oh, can you do this? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then go, oh, God, how am I going to do that? And <laughs> you work it out after you've said yes, yeah. because then that way you're, you're out of your comfort zone, you're forcing yourself into doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like you say, I've done, I've done arena gigs, like at the Echo Arena here in front of 10,000 people. That, to me, is a piece of cake because you can only see probably the front four or five rows yeah. in terms of their faces. Any further back than that, it's just black and and lights and camera phones going off and stuff like that. You can pretty much say anything you want and they'll scream. So <laughs> we, we do like music gigs and concerts and stuff like that. So all I've got to do is walk out and say, who's looking forward to seeing take that? And everyone goes bananas. Yeah. You can do, there's a few things you can do in those scenarios where you can go, I'll tell you what, um, you know, we've got some equipment here tonight. We're going to try and break the world record of noise. So what I need you to do is be as loud as you can. Yeah. But I'm going to split you in two bits. So I want the left side first. So yep. it's you versus you. So left side, make some noise. They'll go bananas. The right side automatically then tries to beat them. Yep. Then the left side tries to beat them. Then the right side tries to beat them. Then you got to tell you what, if we put you all together, imagine the noise you can make. They go bananas. Thanks. And So there's little things you can do like that that, that just kind of get the crowd G'd up and... Yeah. No, I've, the yeah, yeah exactly I've, I've got a few friends that do uh, TV warm up work and that's very similar as well the idea yeah. being you just get everybody g would up and keep them keep them alive while the TV show is on hold and then make sure they're ready to unload all Jump their noise Yeah, back into it and it's the same thing and then so to that to me is a piece of cake um, I've done like we did Pride here and that again yeah you know, a good few thousand people and you just stand on stage and you can have some fun with it and all that um, that's easy For me, in a room of two or three people is way harder. You know, if if I'm literally talking to two or three people, um, that is a harder technique for me than talking to thousands of people. So the more, the merrier in in that sense. But I think it's a a very similar style to going back to the fake it till you make it. For me, just because it's all confidence. If you can go on stage and appear confident, and I think people like to watch somebody that knows what they're doing or knows what they're saying and if you if you walk on stage and act and appear like you know what you're talking about yeah. you, you're pretty much fine and i think if, if the subject is something you know a lot about even even easier yeah. because you know all you all you got to remember is i know everything there is to know about this particular subject whether that be you know cats dogs cars you know if somebody said to me can you go out and talk about um ferrari for 10 minutes yeah i know enough about ferrari i can go and do that it's fine if not i'll go and learn about ferrari and you know and it's you you plan yeah you plan enough to know what you're talking about and then it's the confidence of delivering it like you know like you walk out and you you don't you don't need to say it but you need to say through your body language I'm going to tell you about Ferraris. I know everything there is to know about Ferraris. You will not find anything that I don't know about a Ferrari because I am Mr. Ferrari. And then you deliver it. Yeah, and so, by, by looking at you on the stage, they'll be like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And So straight away, the audience is comfortable. Then they're on side. And you've got to remember that stand-up comedy is probably the best example of this. No one wants to see you fail.
0: Exactly People
1: that. want you to succeed. Yeah. No, one is, no one sits in a room and goes, this person that's coming out to, to present now, I hope they fail. Yeah. I hope they die on their ass. No one thinks that. Everyone wants it to be good or yeah. wants it to be funny or wants it to be informative. So they're on side. It's it's up to you to keep them on side yeah. and, not, and not allow them to get away. And, and the teacher thing from earlier, you know, the pauses and stuff like that, you know, uh, you don't want to come across like a teacher because it's too strict and it's too, you know. Yeah. But there's a lot of things teachers do that they do for a reason that get a reaction and pull those know.
0: little elements out. Exactly.
1: And there's that the old thing I can't is obviously visual. Uh, it's visual, so I can't explain. But when the when a politician will do that, so they'll put their 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 first finger, they'll wrap it around their thumb. Yeah. And they and they do that and they wave their hand about it because they're not pointing. Yeah. Because pointing's rude. Yeah. And if you if you stand on a stage and go, you will do what I tell you, and you're pointing that politician is coming across as a teacher, yep. the voters will go, no, I'm not doing what you're, because you're telling you're me telling what to me do. To you're me. authority, you're a teacher, I'm not doing it. But if they do the, if they do the thing where they put their finger around their thumb, they're still stressing their point. This Probably is that. very important, what I'm saying, but I'm not pointing at you and I'm not telling you what to do, I'm just stressing how important it is. Absolutely
0: you know. everything that you're saying is kind of hitting home the points of you putting into practice what, people basically say you should do all day, every day in in public speaking. So a lot of it is learned traits. Mm -hmm. There's a few things I wanted to pick out there, if that's okay. And one that you mentioned, Ferrari. Mm -hmm. So I obviously done a little bit of research beforehand. And in your biography for Mm -hmm. for Radio City, two things that really kind of hit home with me was one, that you trained to be a commercial pilot, you were Mm -hmm. a commercial pilot's license, and also that you have a massive um, passion for racing, which hence the reason you mentioned Ferrari. So firstly... If you weren't a radio presenter, yeah, would one of those routes be the route that you'd have chosen for your career for your life?
1: Yeah, so, well, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of of ticking things off. So even so, I've always had things that I like doing, and motor racing I love. I've always love Formula One and motor racing. And I just woke up one day and I thought, well, I've got the time and I've got the money and I've got, you know, why not go and get my motor racing license? You know, it's not, yes, it's do. not crazy, <laughs> but it's not crazy money. No, it's it's not. And I do. thought, you know, why not? And then I've got my, and then I got my license. I was like, well, I need to do some racing. So and a friend of mine did some races in, in the MR2 championship and I'm actually racing on Saturday at Silverstone. So okay. I, I did some last year and I'm doing some again this year, a couple of races. And again, it's it's an expensive game, motor racing, but to do the odd bit and pieces, Um, yeah I mean I love it and the thrill of like go-karting or motor racing there's something about it that just is amazing for me obviously I'm too old to do it for a living now but but yeah I'd love to have done that when I was younger same with the pilot you know it's always my dad worked in aviation he was a aviation insurance so I always grew up around air shows and planes and that kind of gave me a a sort of love for aircraft and there's a weird link between radio and planes as well a lot of people love aviation and radio I don't know if it's a control thing or like you've got you know buttons and Things things to press. Yeah, I don't know if it's something to do with a control thing or I don't know, but there's a there's a big connection, a big link between those two, Um, and you know, astronaut I wanted to be when I was younger, policeman I wanted to be, but I'm a big fan of why not try it. Mm-hmm. and see if it leads anywhere and if it that you know because i and again i could mix the two you know i could go well i love motor racing and i present for a living do radio and stuff like that so why not try and do some presenting in a motorsport for you you know and try and get into so it's things like that i just try and do what i love yeah. and see what comes of it um and the same with the flying thing i got my um pilot's license for it's for helicopters actually i can't ah. fly i can't fly planes
0: oh no yeah got that a few
1: years license. ago and um and it was one of those things where, again, it was like silly money at the time. I, th- I actually thought, why am I spending this money to do this? But it was <laughs> something I wanted to do. And when I actually passed my license, it was a weird feeling of like, this is actually, this is amazing. Like, you know, when I was younger, if I said, you know, you were going to have a pilot's license and a motor racing license, I would have gone, wow, that's cool, yeah. you know, to, to young me. So I just thought, well, if, you, if you've if got the opportunity to do it and you've got the time or the money or the ability to do it, why not do it and see where it comes, you know, see where it leads. Um and it's the same with you know i'm a big big believer in just say yes you know see see where it yeah see where it comes yeah
0: so if you weren't a radio presenter Mm -hmm. would you have picked one of those as your route or would you have kind of what would you because obviously you're saying you you basically live in what you're teaching which is Mm -hmm. i said i was going to do a radio show that led to me getting work experience which led to effectively your 25 year career Mm -hmm. in radio what would you have do you think you'd have chosen?
1: Well, I, was, I always like when people say, oh, how would you like your job? Or how would you like working in radio? And I always say it's better than working for a living because it doesn't, it's not it doesn't its really not really a real do. job, is it? Let's be honest. It's, you <laughs> know, we come in, I, I dress in jeans and a t-shirt every day. I come in, talk on the radio and go home. Um, same with voiceovers and things like that. It's, you know, you've got the luxury of no one ever sees you so you can do it, you know, just you need a microphone and a studio and away you go. Um, and I've always been a fan of that. And um, I'm quite proud of the fact that I've never really worked today in 25 <laughs> years. But, but it's... Um, it's you know it's I think you've got to, if you do what you love and I, I, that expression annoys me a little bit when people say oh if you do what you love you never work a day in your life because I get what they're saying that that but that's become a real cheesy cliche yeah but the 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 concept of that phrase is very true that you it know if crazy. you can find something that you love doing um, you know because there's nothing but like, I think Ricky Gervais said why does everyone moan about Monday mornings he said I love Monday mornings because I love what I every day you for me I, I, I get up I write I do whatever I want. Um, And Warren Buffett, who's, I think, the third or fourth British man in the world. And he said, I don't, you know, I don't strive to be a billionaire. I don't live for money. But what I do live for is the fact that I've got so much money... I wake up every day and I do what the hell I want because mm-hmm. I'm so rich. It's my choice. Yeah. No one's my boss. No one's going to tell me what to do. I do what I want to do, and I love that concept of being in that position where you don't have to pay a mortgage, you don't have to have a boss, you don't You'll have to turn it. up at nine o'clock or get told off. And you know, it's because that's a life of just routine, and and that's when it does get boring yeah. and does you know, and, and it's easier said than done because a lot of people fall into those lives. I know I know a lot of really creative people. Whether they be actors or whatever that have had children and they've got a job oh, and they've had to yeah. they've had to get a job and they've had to get a nine to five to pay for the kids and all that and they've just gone a different route and it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Not nothing wrong with it at all because they want a family and that. But they kind of get to a point where they have to give up on their dreams. To, to bring out their family and yeah. then they kind of move that onto their kids and go, right, well, let's now see if you can get your dreams yeah. and everything and moves the on. the same
0: thing the yeah. routine follows. So I think you've broken that mould in terms of, you know what, I enjoy doing it, I'm going to make sure I earn enough money to be able to do it, whether it's a hobby or whether, whether mm-hmm. it's a living, I'm going to enjoy what I do. And I think that definitely shows through in the way that you come across on the radio because you do always sound like you, know, you, like you could be sitting in a box on your own and having yeah. an absolute ball. And I think that makes your listeners you're conveying that energy to your listeners, your listeners are kind of being one of them yourself. You just kind of smile along and, yeah, yeah. and that's exactly what you want. You're setting the tone for, for your listeners. So can I ask just a couple of quick fire questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. So who is your biggest influence or who inspires you?
1: Um currently I'd say probably Ricky Gervais, actually yeah. I just mentioned him from before. Just and and again, Warren Buffett, people like that. I mean I like uh, Richard Branson, people like that. Just people that have kind of done something a bit different, they've gone out their own way and You know, Ricky Gervais said when he started out, he's like, right, I think he was 38 when he started comedy. And he's like, right, well, I've written this show and I want to write it, direct it, act in it. And the BBC are like, like no, you're not doing that. We've got our own directors. And he went, no, 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 you're only getting this show if I direct it, I act in it, I write it. And eventually they agreed. And that was The Office. And look at the success of that. But he stood by his guns. He went, if you're not going to let me do all this then I'm not doing it. It's I'll okay. go, you know, because he wanted to, he knew what he'd created was amazing. Yeah. And he, again, it's a confidence thing. He had the confidence that that was going to be brilliant. Yeah, Stuck by it and, and it grew into something, you know, and he's, he's lived his life and his career through that same be, theory of, yeah. I'm, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm Mr. Confident and I'm going to stick by my work. I'm proud of my work and I'm going to do it my way or yeah. you don't get it. And he's at the point now where Netflix are throwing money at him to make, you know, a new Afterlife. show. Because, yeah, exactly. It was
0: absolutely awesome. Yeah, so, Rave you know. reviews about it. And exactly as you say, it's his yeah. passion. I also think, I, I agree with what you're saying in that his passion shows through. Yeah. The fact that it is kind of a his baby. So, so there's some people who influence you right now. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given in regards to presenting?
1: Um... Probably those two things that we spoke about already, if you're doing radio is to imagine one person. Yep. Um, a really good trick I was told early on when presenting on a stage or presenting to a lot of people, if you're nervous and you're not sure what to do, always keep your head up, always look at the audience, keep, never put your head down, don't look at the floor because you straight away look nervous and appear yeah. nervous. And one way to walk out with a smile on your face is walk out and imagine everybody's naked. Because when, <laughs> But when you do that, you go, at the end of the day, we're all human. We all go to the toilet, we all sleep, we all wake up in the morning, we all look horrific in the morning. Yep. You know, everybody's the same, we're all human. Yes, some people are more powerful than other people, but that's that's purely in the mind. You, that levels the know, playing field. Yeah, if you walk out and go, you know, if you've got, say, you've got a company CEO in the front row and you're thinking, if this guy doesn't like what I'm about to say, I might get fired, yeah. and you walk out and think of him naked, <laughs> straight away, you don't really care. And it, and it just changes the demographic and then you'll get, you'll present better. You'll present more confident and there's more chance he'll like you.
0: Or she'll like you. Worst piece of advice you've ever received around presenting?
1: Um, I can't really think of anything specific. Uh, There's, I think there's a lot of things where you make a lot of mistakes. So you kind of learn that yourself, but yeah, just, I guess just the opposite of everything I've I've been saying, but not, I've not really had any advice where I've gone, wow, that was terrible advice. Like I've not, not really gone on stage and done something and gone, why did he tell me to do that? That was dreadful. Um, I've had a few people say, you know, well, have you you thought about this job or whatever, but not, you know, not necessarily advice. So it could
0: have been more so around maybe not doing it. Was there anyone who discouraged you? Oh, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, well, a great example, you just dropped my memory there, when we had the careers advice at school. So the teacher <laughs> said to me, um, what do you want to do for a living? And this was, as I say, I'd, I'd already done the radio and stuff when I was about yeah. 11. What do you want to do for a living? And I said, um, I want to work on the radio. And um, I think it was a guy. I can't remember. I think it was a guy. And he, he laughed. I mean, <laughs> right, well, let's uh, let's come back to dream jobs in a little while. Let's, let's be realistic first. And I, and I remember saying to him, even at that age, listen, that job exists. Someone has to do that job. Yeah. I want to do that job. And he was like, well, you know, we'll dream later, but let's, let's have a proper job first, you know, right there. You know, he's like, well, you know, let's think of an office job or something like that. And, I'm, and I just kept looking at him like, why are you telling me I've got to do a normal quote job? What is a normal job? Yeah. You know, but he just, he wouldn't have it. And I, and I remember saying, you know, when I, and then I went to college and I was supposed to do a three year course. I did the first year and I got offered a job at a radio station and I went back to the college and said, listen, I'm, I'm going to leave after the first year. I know that that's mid qualification and stuff. But I've been offered this job and it's where I want to work. And they told me it's the biggest mistake of my life. And I'll, you know, I'll always regret it and I should get my education and all that. And I still had GCSEs now at yeah. that point, but I hadn't. This was like further education. And I said, well, it's a risk I've got to take. It's a great job. I took the job. Um, and a year later, the college rang me up and asked me if I'd come and do a speech to the kids <laughs> about getting into radio. And I was like, oh, OK, I thought this was going to be this the biggest thing of my life. Job. Yeah. So it's it's just follow, follow your dreams, be yeah. confident. And, um, you know, if a job exists, someone has to do it. It's yeah. like saying I want to be a Hollywood actor. The chances are very low, but a Hollywood actor is a job that exists and someone has to do that job. Probably someone slightly more attractive than me. But the you know, the, the idea is there that you can you can work to these things.
0: You can't see my face, but my face is like stop putting yourself down. i am no going. Brad
1: Pitt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's only one Brad Pitt and there are any needs. Exactly, to any and one he's one Hollywood Brad actor <laughs> <laughs> He's telling my point. Um Best gig.
1: Um it's I like lo- I like doing. It's nice doing charity stuff because you get a nice feeling from that, and yeah. you know when you hear the stories and you think you know that's really amazing what what we've done and the money we've raised and that sort of stuff. Particularly if you raise like crazy money, you know, if, if a charity says, "Oh, it'd be lovely if we could make twenty thousand pounds," and you make a hundred thousand pounds, and you see the look on the people's faces from that charity, and you think that's that's a nice feeling. Yeah. Um. So for that would be that sort of thing, and then I guess stuff when you do stuff like the arena and stuff like that. I mean. I probably did. Um, I did probably the most I've ever done would be a, probably about thirty or forty thousand people in a, a, in, a football, yeah, in a football in a football stadium. But they were on the on the pitch, and again, you know, you can say anything you want in that snow, but you walk out, and I, again, we had an earpiece back then. I remember walking on the stage, and it was so loud, the guys talking to me in my ear, I couldn't hear a word he was it saying, was just... and I was looking over as if to say, I can't hear you. What yeah. What are you asking me to do? Um, and he was basically saying, you know, feel you know, talk longer, feel yeah. for time and I'm like, it's not a problem. But the the feeling of a wall of noise, you know, forty thousand people screaming and that hitting you as you walk out, it's the closest I'll ever be to being a rock star and, and it it made me realise that when you have a proper rock star, Rolling Stones, people like that, you know how do they sleep when they get home they must be on cloud nine adrenaline. Like the adrenaline must be unbelievable but yeah so that feeling is so pretty big, special the big gigs yeah. and
0: the charity gigs are the best ones pretty, even
1: if people don't know who you are it's a special feeling when you walk out know who and you are start talking yeah. you got a microphone
0: so. <laughs> so you will listen to yeah, exactly, me exactly yeah. and um, worst gig ever had a really bad gig or something that sticks in your mind that you think oh i never want to do that again
1: i mean i've done we've all done a few where you'll you'll do it and you just think oh this you know i've had gigs before where and i've said this to people at the time where they've given me some form of script and i've kind of I, I, I highlight did. bits so i do the same process as what i do with radio i'll get a script and go right you know i need to mention that that person needs to mention i need to say that school or whatever and i'll highlight the things that i definitely need to say and then i'll try and ad lib around it but i've had that before where i've got 10 pages of scripts and i start talking and everyone's no one wants to be there they're all off yeah. and it's usually when it involves alcohol they're all drinking they've all they've, they've they, the, 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 mind's the, the exactly and to get their attention back is is a hard thing and you by one of the things you can do is is edit the script heavily because you think well a lot of this doesn't need to be Scrap said. That. <laughs> but they don't you know they don't need to know all this. This yeah. is information that I and what I could do is say listen we've got loads of stuff on this. If you want to know more, uh, there's a website address. Go to that tomorrow yeah. when you've when you when, when you're, you're sober. Yeah, you've got your hangover. Go and have a look on the website. There's like you know and there's ways you can move that on. And they appreciate it as well. That the audience will appreciate the fact that you're trying to move that on, so they can Supporting enjoy their evening you, and stuff. Yeah.
0: So I think that's another key point, isn't it? Is to kind of listen to your audience, yeah. even if you're not sat in the same room exactly. as them. Whether you're on. And you know, you,
1: you I've done gigs as well where people have shouted stuff out, you know, heckles Heckled. and stuff like that, and um, you know, it that helps if you if you're quick and you've you've got some comebacks and yeah. stuff like that. You know, if you can say something back to them, and um. And it depends what you know. It always depends what they say to me. But you know, if you can have a comeback ready to go, If yeah. um, you stock ones. you know, then quite often the rest of the audience fall in love with you because, yep. and particularly if someone's shouting out, if they're drunk and they're just shouting and shouting, and everyone's kind of like, oh, shut up. They turn then, on them, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So when you
1: him. when you call them out, the, the crowd loves it and joins in because you've yeah. turned on the person that's annoying them as well. So yeah.
0: So not necessarily in any environment, but when they heckle in you, yeah. it's the prime example yeah. of what to do. And last but not least, what is the one question nobody's ever asked you, but you wish that they would? Um, I like to again, the yeah, good question. That. <laughs>
1: um, again, I don't, I don't think there's anything where I've, I've sort of sat there and thought, oh, I wish someone would ask me that. I don't think because you know nine times out of ten, all the things I'm into, it's quite you know, it's on websites and stuff like that. So people often say, oh, you, you do motor racing, no, you, you know. So there's quite a few, yeah. Um, but no, I can't, I can't think of anything where people have asked me or not asked me a question where I've, I've thought,
0: oh, I wish they'd ask me. Can that. I tweak then? Go on, yeah. Okay. Um, tell us one thing that you don't think anybody else knows about you. Um, most people don't know.
1: Well, my, the usual one I pull out at that point is the, the fact that I'm, I was the runner-up to the Milky Bar kid. That, oh, that usually comes out yeah, at that you're point. Yeah, you've blown that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mentioned that earlier. But um, I, I think you... When you're on the radio, people think they know you yeah. and you'll meet people out and about. And um, a lot of people say this and it, I find it bizarre. A lot of people... Well, first of all, I get this a lot. Oh, you're a lot... Uh, I thought you'd be taller. You, <laughs> you sound taller. And I'm like, how do you sound tall? Uh, that's the first one that always makes me laugh. But you'll get a lot of people that go, oh, you're much nicer than I thought you was going to be. And you're like, well, I don't know how to take that, cause, is that
0: a compliment Yeah, but or like, not?
1: But are you saying... I'm not nice on the radio, or and and I think it's a I think it's a thing where they think well if you're on the radio you must be a bit up yourself yeah. or you must be a bit whatever, and when they meet you like oh you're actually quite nice and I'm like well I like to think it's because me on the radio is just me turned up a little bit it's yeah. in exaggerated, exaggerated form exactly like a stand up comedian will be and exactly like I've said to you before it's you know if you're if I'm telling a story i will slightly exaggerate it to make it funnier yeah um not always but yeah. you know quite we'll often just
0: kind of emphasize a yeah after.
1: and um I I would say my act as such on air is i put myself down that's one of the mm-hmm. things and that and, and it's a great way of getting people on side that's
0: self-depreciating um, you yeah
1: but it, it works well and it's and it's i'm i'm very good at doing it and i will and my boss has said this many times i, I will happily put myself down um for a laugh you know for a, and not not because i don't i'm not confident or but i i will say something about myself that i know will get a laugh yeah and i'm happy to do that a lot of people won't you yeah. know
0: i think you um, get a good balance of that though whereby you do that with a without kind of yeah i mean you can go you can yourself. go too far yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and some people nice you know balance. and some people i know some people that all they ever do is put themselves down and i say to them why like have you any idea how unattractive that is yeah, as a trait to a always balance. put yourself down like you know you never stop doing it and and even if someone secretly really fancies you and you're constantly putting yourself down it's gonna eventually put them yeah. off you because eventually they're gonna go, Oh, maybe it's you know, maybe you're still there going is not believing what yeah. you're
0: saying. And that's the
1: a... exactly what I was saying earlier about if you have the confidence on stage, yeah. fake it until you make it. If you if you walk out like you know everything, you don't have to be arrogance is, yeah. is the wrong way. But confidence. be confident. Be confident, be friendly, be confident, you know, know what you're talking about and you can't go far wrong, I don't think.
0: I think you've absolutely just summed up exactly how you've been as a podcast guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. If anyone wants to know more about you, if anyone wants to listen to your show, this is your opportunity to plug where we can find you.
1: Yep. So there's uh, where well, you can find me. I'm on, on Twitter, on Instagram at Scott UK. Um You can listen at Radio City. So you've got the app. If you want to download the Radio City app, you can listen to the show. And I do four till seven uh, Monday to Friday. But yeah, all the details are on my um, on my tw- uh, social media. Really, so Twitter and Instagram is at Scott Hughes UK.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time out. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening to the podcast.